Welcome to Explorers Wanted. We are a weekly Numenera actual play podcast. I will be your sweet, kind, and gentle GM, Uwu, Daniel Anderlich. With me today is Samson Davis. You've been doing that intro for like a year now, and the Uwu is still just like, well, my skin crawls <laughs> a little bit just every time. And Alex Finn. Listen, the Uwu is what draws in the listeners. It just caresses their ear hole a little bit. Mm, not better. I don't know when I started labeling things as holes, but like when I get something in my eye, I'm like, oh, my eye hole. And I'm like, mm, there's something in there. It's not an eye hole yet. Mm-hmm. Yet. But, you know, you're you're thinking optimistically. You're thinking for the mm. future. Yes, you should. Yes. What? Explain. Explain that thought. <laughs> Leave this in, Dan. I want what? Explain that. <laughs> what do you mean? Well, yeah. I mean, to, for something to be a hole can be aspirational. Mm hmm. So many holes, so little time. So many potential holes. Both of you, I don't like your ambitions. <laughs> you know what I do like, though, Samson? Tell me. Click, laugh, math, rasks. <laughs> well, uh, thankfully, I can talk about that instead of aspirational holes. Die Hard Dice. We are sponsored by Die Hard Dice. They are a wonderful online purveyor of math rocks for your TTRPG needs or other needs that require math rocks. They have a bunch of wonderful designs that come in acrylic and metallic. So go on there, find what new deals they have on the store right now. Changes all the time. And when you find the perfect set for you or a friend, family member, or enemy, when you go to checkout, type in our code Explorers Wanted, all one word, and you'll get 10% off your order. That's a high quality product for a little bit cheaper. And you're helping to support the show. So please do that. Thank you. Oh, I should mention, Stace isn't here tonight. Something came up for her. So it's just the three of us for this episode. No one to hold us back. On our shenanigans. We're going to break everything. Full mm -hmm. chaos. Well, uh, to be fair, Elsense the has become the voice of reason, which I'm not... That's a little worrying. I guess it has to be somebody. Elson agreed mm -hmm. to this plan, so there's no takey backsies. Well, I think she came up with the plan. Half came up with it. Exactly. You are in this plan now. The chaos will reign. The listeners are excited. Yeah, because there is a plan. I want to know, there is a plan this time for this situation. Okay, who remembers what happened last time? I'm going to pick on Samson. So last episode, Ilsen and Ferdinand were getting out of the dog show. They're walking away and they saw a dead guard in an alley. Doesn't seem too fresh, but doesn't also seem to have a head. So that's not good. I believe Ferdinand mentioned that that might be the new friend that Magpie unleashed upon our city. Mm -hmm. So that's great. Ilsen and Ferdinand split from there. Ilsen went to tier three, but ran into the ghouls, who she successfully lied her way out of their clutches from. Yay! Yeah. So she heads to the Corpus Collar. Meanwhile, Ezri is taking her ill-gotten gains, the uh, 12k uh, shins that she got from the dog show. Mm -hmm. She's got a nice cloak for Tibu, some food for the Enclave, and just heads back home to the Enclave. She wants the Enclave to decide what to do with the money, if they want to leave the city or if they want to double down or go their separate ways, whatever. It is the Enclave's decision what to do. Let's see, what else? Uh, Ilsen goes to the Corpus Caller, finds that Bertrand is there, and that apparently Bertrand had a source that knew that the dog show was going to be a trap. So weird. And he didn't tell Ilsen. Not that he really had a chance at any point, but still. And he was also kind of like a, a dick about it. It's like, it was very unprofessional on Bertrand's part. So we're going to throw him to the briskers. That's why this is happening. <laughs> I didn't realize until that moment that Ilsen could be that vindictive and that petty. Yeah. I had no idea. I still think it's funny that I act what we accidentally brought into this world. 
and I had completely forgotten about it until you remembered it. And I was like, oh, fuck. It's all Magpie's fault. <gasps> that was beautiful. And I don't know why. <laughs> yeah. So he'll send Lisa Corpus Caller in a bit of a huff, sees Magpie standing across the street, smiling, nodding slowly, I imagine. I don't know if that, if she was actually doing that. <laughs> I could imagine that. So Magpie and Elsen have a little powwow on what we're going to do to Bertrand. The plan is that Magpie is going to go sneak back into Bertrand's apartment, nab an old notebook, and write up a fake plan in one of the notebooks. And then we're going to bring Bertrand and the notebook to the Briskers and throw them on the fire. Mm-hmm. Also, at some point in this episode, I didn't write this down, but I remember it. Magpie snuck back into Bertrand's apartment and found that the place was more of a shithole than usual. Yeah. Yeah, that was before she mm-hmm. met you at the caller. Okay, yeah. And then I don't know if you found anything or if you were just kind of like checking things out. Stole some stuff. She stole his backup yeah. mask. Oh, you did? Okay. Was a jerk, yeah. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Meanwhile, Esri uh, has found a need for a nano in her life, so she is trying to look for a nano follower for the Enclave and for herself, and she lands upon one dark wizard, sorry, one the dark wizard, Neva, who is wanted for mm-hmm. crimes of some sort. Industrial espionage and sabotaging a shipping vehicle. Yes. Crimes. She also finds that the dark wizard Neva has gotten caught and is on trial. So uh, Ezri went up to scope out the courthouse and discovers that the dark wizard Neva is going to be tried the following morning. And then on her way back to tier eight, she finds a dead brisker just right there on the ground in front of everybody. And is probably dead by what I've called uh, Smurf Imhotep, mm-hmm. the blue killer that Magpie's unleashed. The body definitely had his jaw removed. Right. So, like, the whole lower half of his mouth was torn out. Yeah. Somebody's got to. Mm-hmm. So, that'll be fun. Yeah. I'm so excited. So, Ilson and Magpie, mm. I think you had made a plan. Mm. I, I don't remember. So, Ilson was going to try to draft a plan, mm. and Magpie was going to get the notebook. Oh, yeah. And we we were going to, like, frame him with evidence. Yeah, the plan is to forge something of a plan in one of uh, the notebooks, because uh, Magpie has been to his apartment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Been in his notebooks. Yeah. So is she supposed to bring the, the notebook back to you, or is she supposed to forge it and then bring it back to you? <sighs> Here's the tricky part. Magpie absolutely has to forge the notebook. Mm-hmm. She's the one who fucking did it. Mm-hmm. Okay. But I don't know yet how to get her to do that in universe. Because I don't know if Ilsen is really... I don't think Ilsen knows. It's been strongly implied. I don't think you know for sure, but it's definitely like... Yeah. Magpie's been giving off like big, without saying so, very big I did it vibes. Well, and (laughs) that's kind of what I'm stuck on is that I don't know how much of that was Magpie actually implying in character or Alex just memeing. That's a good question. Okay, well, with this lack of clarity on what Magpie is supposed to do, I guess you guys have split up at this point. Yeah, you sent me off to forge a notebook. Well, get a notebook and then, yeah. And you're supposed to lure out that dude. Right now it's about like midday, right? Mm-hmm. Dog show was just this morning. Yeah. 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 So I think for now, Ilsen's just going to like hang around the corpus collar and then... Um, you mean go back in or just hang outside? Hang outside just in case Bertrand leaves and goes somewhere else. Okay. And you're trying to be discreet about that, I assume. Yes. I'm going to say uh, she did kind of step deeper into the alleyway, changed her face, and then came back out. And now it's just kind of camping up. Okay. So that's going to be really helpful to you because 
then it's less about somebody spotting Ilsen and more about if somebody makes any notice of somebody who's hanging out near the caller the whole time. Right. So I think this is only going to be nine, and you're trained in stealth. Trained in stealth and then also specialized in lies and trickery, so... Yeah, I would say in this case, yeah, because it's not... You're not necessarily completely just hiding. Right, yeah, so just a three, I guess, since stealth doesn't really apply here. Yeah. That's a five. Okay. Yeah, you're hanging out there, you know, about 15, 20 minutes past, which is about the amount of time it would probably take Magpie to get to Bertram's place. Mm. As you're waiting there, you see somebody coming down the street, and this person, they're roughly... I don't know, maybe in their 30s. Their face looks like they're in their 30s, but you can tell that their hair is already graying quite a bit. And they are wearing brisker colors, which are normal clothes. And it's just that on each arm, they have like a little mauve sash. (laughs) I like the idea that briskers are very particular about the colors they wear. Like, no, it has to be mauve. All right. Nothing else. Yeah. Well, that's how the gutter gangs often tell each other Mm -hmm. apart. They can't like afford uniforms and things like that. (laughs) And these are major players, too. But it's just very funny that they went for like, like was this like a pinkish? Yeah, like mauve instead of like red or green or something. Mm. It's like not lavender, mauve. Hey, this is the ninth world. Colors may mean different things to people. (laughs) Yeah, this brisker kind of gets close to the corpus collar. And then he tosses what looks to be like not a stone, but it's something solid enough that sort of whacks against one of the upstairs windows. And a few minutes later... You see Bertram step out with his notebook and follow the brisker into the alley right behind the corpus collar. Mm-hmm. Well, Ilson's got to know what the fuck's going on there. Is there like, can she kind of like go around the opposite way? Like they went clockwise? Yeah, okay. for sure. If you're trying to get up close enough to see what they're up to, that'll be a stealth roll for sure. I think for now, she just wants to get close enough to hear the conversation, not necessarily see what they're doing. So for that, I think it's going to be secret meeting of a sort. So okay. you're going to be on a little bit more alert. So I think it's a 12 to start. 12 to start. All right. Bring that to a nine with my training. Yeah, probably going to put a level of effort in this. Bring it to a six. Roll for that. Mm-hmm. Seven. Okay. You can't get like super close because there's not really like a lot of obstacles back here. It's not like a service alley with trash cans or anything like that. It's more like this is just space that was left when they were building here. Right, right. But you can hear the brisker talking to Bertram, and he's like, you did a good job on that article. Good writer. Maybe the best they got. Damn. (sighs) Just salt in the wound. (laughs) Maybe a little lemon. If eye rolls were audible, she would have given herself away at this point. Yeah. Bertram says, yeah, well, uh, you, you brought good info. That really helped my last article about infiltration risks and things like that. And the brisker nod, yeah, yeah. So, um... You heard about the games? Bertram's like, you mean what happened at the dog show? Yeah, for starters. Sounds like they're bringing back the Imperial Games. And Bertram is like writing something down furiously. Mm -hmm. And he says, from what I hear, the Ilkers are going to try to stack the game with some of their people. (gasps) Leather Daddy, no! (laughs) Ilkers are a rival Warrens gang? Yeah, in the Warrens, there's gutter gangs, and then there's the major players. The two major players that you've encountered so far are the Briskers and the Ilkers, at least that you know of. There are other gutter gangs that are more small. They have they tend to have to kind of either have fealty to one of the big players or just really be careful. Mm-hmm. People like the Dippers and the Needles and the Pelters and the Dockspawn, that kind of thing. Right. 
And then uh, the Enclave, does that kind of fall in the gutter gang territory at this point in our story? I wouldn't call the Enclave a gutter gang because in this definition, the gutter gangs are very much focused around criminal activity and they can also move openly. Okay. So lookers are going to stack some of their people and uh, who knows, they might be working with those infiltrators you wrote so well about. Okay, this is good. That's good. Can you, do you have any more information? Like something I can use to follow up on? Listen, all I can say is our guys think the Ilkers are stacking and they think it's Massus who's the person that's in charge of that. Their goal is to stack those games and pull out as much revenue as they can, kill any other person stupid enough to go in there. And Bertram takes some more notes like, okay, this is good. What do I owe you? This one's on the house. Be seeing you, Bertram. And the brisker walks away. Bertram takes a couple other notes and then goes back inside the collar. Interesting. Magpie. Yeah? You have reached Bertram's apartment complex, mm. for lack of a better word. The flop house that he rents a place in. Yes. I assume you're going to phase in? Yes. Okay. So, just for giggles... <gasps> giggle, giggle. I would like you to do a stealth check of 12 to see if anybody notices you. I got 13. Okay. So... Nobody notices you as you... Are you going through the window again? Yeah. If it ain't broken, don't fix it. So you face through the window. It's much like you left it, you know, a little bit ago before you went and met up with Ilson. Place is kind of disorganized because it looks like Bertram was looking everywhere for something, but you didn't see where it was. Or rather, if he found it, it took him a long time because there's a lot of stuff displaced. Mm. We're going for the notebook and we're going to forge us a crime. Okay. So, you are going to walk through looking for the notebook. I don't think you need to roll for this because it's not like you're doing it under pressure right now. There's no risk of anybody coming in the door. You do find a notebook. It's quite full, but you can find entries in there from as recently as last month. She's going to give it a quick scan to see if there's anything good. Oh, okay. Yeah. Shouldn't have given me a reading. You... Yeah, so you flip through it. Some of it is like in his own like shorthand, so not like commercial shorthand, but whatever weird note-taking philosophy he follows. So you see that there's like a section there that says GG unrest. B says I is moving cargo, something spider, and also foreign influence, question mark. On one page, this is like a couple months back, there is a very unflattering doodle of Ilset. <gasps> with like a little word bubble that says, I'm so stupid. <laughs> I think hey, fuck this guy. Magpie chuckles to herself saying it like, <laughs> it's funny. It's funny. Samson's writing down, do more crimes to Bertrand. <sighs> Stab Bertrand before giving to Briskers. You literally used a major effect to make sure that he was a true asshole. Yeah. I did that. Oh. <laughs> yes, you did. <laughs> Maybe I'm the villain. Oh, shit. Yeah. I mean... Because you wanted your rival the newspaper to actually be a jerk. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> we didn't want to just, like, be a bully for no reason. Oh, okay. This uh, this does sound familiar. <laughs> because, remember, I think he was being blackmailed. And we're like, ooh, we're going to do something bad. Just a blackmail victim. That seems kind of shitty. And then you're like, but wait, we'll solve it with this major effect. I think more like that. I just wanted to be an asshole and not have to feel bad about it. True. Mm -hmm. That sounds more in character for me. I mean, it works for us either way. Yeah. 
So Magpie's going to try and find a spot in the journal, especially if there's any open space around the appropriate timing to like kind of put in some, well, it doesn't have to all be on the same page, but like the layout of the building and like marking possible layout points, maybe a diagram of what she stole. So that's possible. So I would say this, because I'm not going to gotcha on it, because I know sometimes in these campaigns, like the time periods mm. get tough. So the la- the most recent entry in that notebook is from a month mm. ago. And this campaign has been going for a week in game time. Oh. So you would either have to forge something that's like a bit later, or you would have to forge multiple entries to pad it out. We're going to forge multiple entries to pad it out. Okay. Add a little bit more rude stuff about Ilsen. Maybe about, she seems like the perfect patsy. <sighs> Devious. Okay. So you're going to pad it out with multiple entries. And then how detailed are you going to be on his plan? Detailed enough where you like, the person who's made this had to like have been in the warehouse or gotten really good information about the warehouse, but not good enough where you're just like, this is a little too specific. You know what I mean? Gotcha. Gotcha. Do you mark where entry was at all? I'm going to mark several potential entry points. Because mm, okay. she faced through the wall. She doesn't, like, she didn't, yeah, like... you didn't fall for my trap yeah. there. <laughs> gotcha, Daniel. I for once thought. Aha! Head not so empty right now. Okay. And you're trying to forge his handwriting? Yes. Okay. She's got a notebook full of reference material, so I think that's one, like, that's an asset. I'd give you an asset for that. Thank you. So with that asset, it's now 12. It's going to be some sort of intellect task. Now hear me out. I am trained in lore of anthropology. That will help you here. (laughs) The studying of cultures and things. So it should help her analyze this man's journal to help do some good forging. Yeah, but the forging has to do with the how well you can replicate the handwriting in his writing style, not it's it's as much physical as anything. Listen, if I'm a stonemason can forge thousands of dare stones, why can I not forge one notebook as a trained archaeologist? <laughs> Who aren't necessarily or at least if they have a decent reputation, it's not because they're good at forgery. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. As a scholar, I'm not like great at forging stuff. Like, it, that's not You're just not scholaring hard enough. Uh, no, I think it's just not. They don't overlap. There's no overlap. They teach it at school. Come on. Come on. It's totally in school. So? Fine, I'll roll it. <laughs> Suck it, bitches, nat 20. Ooh. Okay, you're definitely going to be able to forge his handwriting. What would you propose as a major effect? Part of me wants a free asset to, like, I want to, like, save it till later. You can't save it for later. You, I know. The major effect can be something there, but you have to declare what that thing is now. Because I'm not going to have a blank check of a major effect floating around for the rest of the session. I know. I'm trying to think of how to like phrase it so I can be like, you know, later when we kidnap Bertrand and we hand him over to those guys, I want like an asset on people believing us that Bertrand really did do it. Okay. Uh, I mean, so it's that convincing forgery? Yes. Like, I want this to, like, 
almost debilitate him if we're talking like on the damage track with how good it is. What you could do is have the forgery so good that we don't necessarily need to bring in Bertrand. We just bring Briskers the notebook. No, we have to bring him in. We have to. That was... I know, but I got... I have a kind of a backup plan because just because like Ilsen and Magpie, we're not the strongest people. We're not mm. We're not Esri. Fair. We might be able to convince the Briskers by bringing them the notebook saying, hey, we got your guy, but also we're petite little ladies. Mm. Lend us your leather, daddy. Yeah, lend us a big guy. We will bring you to him so that you can grab him. Here's the proof. Well, Magpie already said you had them. Yeah. Captive and that you were going to bring them. Yeah, I kind of shit all over this. Took up. And Odalai asked you to bring them. Yeah. To the warehouse by early evening. Oh, okay. Well. Took a big old deuce on that plan, Samson. But How- you took a big old deuce. Yeah. I mean, part of me is like, <laughs> so I just have a question, Daniel. So the Mauve Gang, are they against the Leather Daddy Gang? The Mauve Gang is the Briskers. Yes. Lord Humongous was part of the Briskers. Yes. If you're talking about the Ilkers, those are the ones that the Briskers... Well, you wouldn't know that, but but the Ilkers were the other like major player that was talking to Bertram. But that wouldn't be in your notes. No. Well, part of... Some of the notes actually did, you would suggest, was saying, like, Briskers are saying about Ilkers or mm. things like that. Well, I'm just, like, trying to figure out, like, how bad of this is going to be. So Bertrand is working for Leather Daddy's people. Yeah. Mm. Well, contact. There, There's a business relationship. Mm. I don't know if they're working. I don't know if he's working for them necessarily. Mm. Yeah, they're definitely feeding him information. Okay. And he said some negative stuff about the Ilkers said by the briskers in the journal he said briskers said that ilkers were moving cargo but again that was a month ago mm. Mm. what we could do what you could do is say that for major effect bertrand knew about the artifact from some other source yes so there there's some like information about the artifact yes, in the notebook I like already i like that yes okay so yes, so there's some note about the artifact there and that this artifact was coming in and there's a note in there about it being diamond shaped. But other than that, like not a lot of detail. But you, yeah, there's mention of specifically of that artifact. He had heard something was coming. Obviously, it didn't show up until the beginning of this campaign. But there was already talk a month ago about this shipment making its way in, mm. this item being brought in somehow. Okay, beautiful. Okay. You have the notebook. On your way out, you notice that the only thing that is somewhat neat here is a folded copy of the Corpus Caller with Bertram being the front page headline. Yesterday's article that was on the front of the Corpus Caller. Does she know what the article is? Is that the one from uh, that Ilsen read right before the train heist? Yeah. So there was yours with the finger article that your editor had touched up the title on. And then there was Bertram's article, which you just looked at the headline was, was Terrorists Among Us. Mm-hmm. I only asked because that would have been two days ago, technically, because this is Sunday and the train job was Saturday. No, it'd be Saturday. Mm-hmm. Okay. So one day ago. You read those while you were awaiting to get on the train. Right. Yeah. So to your point, Alex Magpie, you can see it has an article by Ilson and then this big article from Bertram that says terrorists among us question mark just gonna make sure he's not hiding anything in the paper and then put it back to where it was slightly askew okay slightly askew you can see that there is the 
what looks to be the first half of the word Margothy before it hits the fold. Mm-hmm. Mm. <laughs> leaves. Okay. <laughs> okay. Magpie leaves. So you phase out through the window and make your way. I assume you're going back to the Corpus Caller or are you going somewhere else and just leaving Ilsen standing there? No, she's going back to Ilsen because this is going to be fun. It's going to be so much fun. Okay. Ilsen, you've been waiting for like, you know, it's 20 minutes before you saw Bertram came out and you followed him over there, came back, and it's been probably now been like a total of like 50 minutes that you've been waiting while Magpie's been running this errand. Mm-hmm. You know, it takes about 15 minutes to get there, so you're actually sort of pleasantly surprised that Magpie isn't later than you expected as she wanders up. I assume just carry the notebook in the open because that feels like a very Magpie thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, Senpai. How are you? It, you got here very quickly. Some of us are good at our jobs. All right. Wasn't trying to start a fight. Oh, but you will after seeing this. And she, like, opens the notebook in front of Ilsen to the badly drawn picture. She quickly kind of blocks, like, puts her body in between the notebook and the corpus collar, just in case. Mm-hmm. But then she looks. This pig is going to fucking fry tonight. Fuck this guy. <sighs> All right. Uh, did you already put a little something something in here? Did you already forge a plan? Yes. Oh, yeah. It's pretty convincing, too. Damn. All right. Oh, yeah. How did he do it? Skills. Could you be a bit more specific? <laughs> so now I'm picturing that Magpie has a drawing of the warehouse. And then it says in block letters, I reverse R master thief. <laughs> 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 Could you be a bit more specific? Because we do kind of have to give a presentation of sorts. Oh, and she like flips towards like the forward section. Well, you see right here, I've implied that Bertrand really hates you. And you're a great patsy for anything he might do nefariously. Uh, probably framing you for some bigger thing, but you, he'll use you when he needs you. And here's where we put the outlet of the warehouse. And he already knew about the stolen object before. Didn't even have to frame him for that. And uh, here are some entrance points he could have used. Okay. Alright. Yeah. Awesome. I... (laughs) Elsen is, for the first part, kind of in admiration of Magpie. Like, holy shit, she is good at her job. (laughs) But I don't think Elsen knows how to put that into words. It's like, uh, uh, good. Alright. Yeah. uh, Yes. Um, Alright. Next step then is to uh, attain Bertrand. Do you know where Ezri is? Because we could definitely use her for this specific part. Neither of you would have any idea. Yeah. I thought this was more fun and pressing. <sighs> Alright, then do you want to wait for him to just leave, go back home and then we get him on the way back in an alleyway or do we go in now and just... We're kind of on a time schedule unless you want to be murdered. When, what, what were you told? Early evening. You know, supper time, wrap it up. That way you can still have the night to have, you know, plans. That's not good. Because the issue is, I don't know if we can just take a body size shape down five tiers. I mean, once we get to tier eight, I don't think anyone's going to bother us. But getting to tier eight is going to be an issue. To be fair, you only have to go down three Mm -hmm. tiers because the Brisker warehouse that Odalai is probably talking about is the one on the sixth. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. He didn't specify in the episode, but we'll just say that that's what he means. Right, yeah. I think the biggest thing is to get him outside in a timely manner. Uh, I feel like there should be a way to lure him out with like, oh, we have a a lead on something, but I don't know. I can't think of something that wouldn't also immediately like set off his 
journalist uh, senses that something fishy is going on, you know? Ilson walks into the office, looks out the window, is like, wow, that's the biggest lead I've ever seen. (laughs) (laughs) I wish I had time to chase such a lead. (laughs) But I'm too stupid. Oh, well. Oh, if only I weren't so out of shape. (gasps) So many eclairs. I just cannot keep up with this lead. (laughs) Actually... Maybe I do have something. Ilsen's going to pull out... Can we say that Ilsen's got just a notebook, pull out a piece of paper and a pen? Something? Yeah, for sure. You're a journalist. All right. I would imagine you've always got something like that on you. Excellent. Then Ilsen's going to forge... Oh, man. This might be risky. Ilsen's going to forge a quick... Mm, the Brisker never gave their name, did they? No. Damn. All right. Well, maybe someone can help me with making this a good idea. What I want to do is forge a quick note from Odalai, because that's the only brisker I can think of with a name. A note from Odalai, we've got something for you, come down to tier eight or something. And then on the way down, we whack them and then grab them there. And then Ilsen just kind of goes in, just like, hey, some douchebag just left this for you, or gave it to me to give it to you. What if we went along with the idea of his secret dog show informant? Because Magpie just wrote that shit in her own handwriting. Okay. Ilsen can't propose that because Ilsen doesn't know that you did that. I know, but we have to think out this plan together because Alex the player, brain is short-circuiting. Well, if Magpie tells Ilsen that she already left him a note, then we could work with that. Could we just, like, send her a note like I did last time? Or... Sorry, what? Oh, I sent Bertrand a weird note last time. Seems to have fucked with him. Is this about the dildos thing or is this something else? Yes, I... Didn't want him interfering with your story, so I wrote. I told him that the dog show was a trap. <gasps> Joke's on me. Give me a second. I need to reassess my life. <laughs> kind of leans up against the alleyway. <laughs> no, this is still correct. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. You you write him a quick note saying to come down to tier eight, and then we catch him along the way, bring him to the warehouse on six. How's this? And like Magpie writes a quick note just saying you owe me for the dog show meet me on the stairs oh okay what about this how do you intend to deliver it to him i got i got an idea for that okay uh so magpie did you write the letter and mm-hmm. all, that? all right what tier uh roughly what tier did you say six i think i think that's the warehouse they wanted uh no 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 i mean which tier on the stairs i mean no just because otherwise you might just we'll wait for him on the stairs kidnap him there and take him down. On this tier? All right. Yeah. I, good. It's way easier to lose him if we take... Oh, go left at the clear card and, you know, I'm not... I don't have all day. All right, all right. Ilson's tummy rumbles. <laughs> 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 no, she had coffee. She's not hungry. <laughs> yeah. Rumbles for other reasons. All right, yeah, I can, I can work with it. Yeah, you go get set up near the stairs or something. I guess I'll follow Bertrand. Sure thing. Magpies go into the stairs. All right. Okay. Ilsen takes a walk around the block, brings her old face back, and goes into the corpus collar. Okay. Were you being stealthy about that at all? The face change, yes, but going back into the collar, just normal citizen. Give me a 15 stealth roll. A 15 stealth Because I'll give you an asset because the face change is kind of, if somebody's not watching for it, they're less likely to catch it. Okay. 15 stealth roll. I can bring that down to a 12, and I'm going to bring that down to a 9 with a level of effort. Mm-hmm. 15. Okay. Yes. So you feel like you 
did that super smoothly. All right. And you wander inside the corpus collar. Excellent. She will very pointedly walk past Bertrand if Bertrand Bertrand's in there, right? Yes. All right. She's going to walk past him, still huffy, kind of rummage through her uh, desk, pull something out, like a piece of paper or a stack of papers or something, put it in her bag. And as she is going to leave, again, not saying anything to Bertrand at this point, she'll suddenly stop and be like, oh, some guy, while I was uh, walking around, gave this to me to give to you and throws on his uh, desk in front of him. Have a good day. And then continues to walk out. Bertrand doesn't say a word. All right. Ilsen leaves and then puts on a different face in an alley and then waits for Bertrand to leave or take the bait at least. Okay. I need an 18 stealth roll again. Oof. 18? Oof. Why does it keep going up? Well, you had an asset on the first one because your face was already changed. So this time you were going around and you changed your face uh-huh. as you were going. So the stealth, they might be watching Ilsen. You're essentially rolling to see if the ghouls oh, yeah. are paying attention to you. Oh, Okay you're being noticed by the ghouls. All right. Uh, right. They're, like, so obsessed with you right now. (laughs) They need to stop. All right. Uh, Training and effort brings this to a uh, 12 at this point. Uh, uh, No, no, no. No, we're going to re-roll that. What what was it? That was a one. It was a one, Dan. Oh, wow. I am not... I I don't want to deal with ghouls like this. (laughs) Eight. Okay. Yep, you get into position. All right. Magpie, as you are approaching the stairs... Oh, no. You're going to the opening of this tier, and you can see that it's been, so far, a pretty nice Mm. day. But you can, of course, see out in the distance the dipper as it's floating there. And there's always sea storms off in the distance. The sea just outside of Corpus's um, port area, or even beyond the uh, Well of Size always seems to have like crazy tropical storms going on that supposedly have gotten worse in the last few decades. The thing you notice, though, is that these storm clouds seem to be moving in from the east, and they're dark, roiling things that most people describe as only being out as far as the ocean. Yeah. So that's just a weather report for you. <laughs> Ilson. After uh, about 15 minutes, you see Bertram come out the door. All right. He uh, locks up the office since he was the last person in there. And he wanders out. He goes over to the eclair cart. But, of course, they're out of eclairs at this point. He's just grabbing coffee. And he starts heading in the direction of the stairs. Like, he's heading towards the light that's shining in from the opening at this tier. Mm -hmm. With a new face, she is going to follow behind him. Okay. You're changing your face again? Did I already uh, change my face when I left the corpus collar? Yeah, you left the corpus collar, then you were kind of... The stealth check you did was as you moved around and changed your face again. Okay. Yeah. Alright. Sorry. Uh, then yeah. Uh, Ilsen's just going to follow behind uh, Bertram then. With that same face? Yes. Okay. Cool. So you're following Bertram. Bertram is... Well, actually, no. He would be paranoid right now. He's had a lot of shit go down in the last 48 hours. Yeah. So, yeah, so in this case, I think it's going to be a 12 stealth roll for him not to notice that somebody's following him. All right. Especially if he thinks he's going to meet with a... Actually, he thinks he's going to meet with a source. It should probably be a 15. 15. All right. So stealth for sure. Would lies and trickery apply on this roll? I I think it would have to be stealth in this. Careful movement as I keep at least one or two people between. Sure. Careful movement counts. Two assets for you. All right. What was the DC? 
It started off at a 15, so now it's down to a 9. Okay. Thinking if I want to apply efforts. I think I do. And then I should have mentioned it earlier. I did take my action recovery roll a while back, so. Okay. So I still got points to spend. I am going to apply the level of effort, so now it's a 6. That's a 13. Okay. I was so hoping for a 1. No, I, I got XP. So mean. You're not getting it. You're not getting me. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Bertram does not notice you following him. Can you give me a perception roll of 18? I'm going to roll that straight. Okay. Is that an 18 exactly? Nice. Oh, nice. The slender, shorter ghoul is definitely following you from a distance. Oh, that's awkward. And now it's up to you if you want to do this, because it's probably almost impossible for you, I think, unless you've got two levels of effort already bought. Could you make another perception roll for 24? Ooh. Cannot do that. Okay. Can I still roll just in case I get a nat 20? Okay, you still won't succeed, but you'll get a major effect. That's all right. You get a nat 20. Nope, that's an 8. Oof. Okay. Oh, it's right next to the 22. Faces are touching. God damn it. <laughs> okay, so you are heading towards the stairs. It is getting, like, a little bit darker in here, though. Not an enormous amount. It's just, like, it's, like, as if somebody turned the sunlight down, like, two notches. We're underground, technically, right? This is Tier 3, Corpus Color. Yeah, so the, the light we're talking about is the light coming from the opening out to the, the cliff's edge. Oh, okay, okay. Like, the actual lights that are in here, like the mushroom lamps and things like that, they're fine. It's just that the sunlight that was shining in gets us a little darker, a little more obscured. Mm-hmm. All right. Magpie, are you waiting at the entrance to the stairs, or are you waiting outside on the stairs? And if you're waiting outside on the stairs... Like, whereabouts. So what exactly does the entrance to the stairs look like? It's a fairly, like, wide opening Mm. that leads out to, there's a sort of stone landing. It's not very wide. It's no wider than the stairs themselves. And one side of it, it goes down to the next landing, and then the other one goes up. Well, just because I'm wondering, I have a horrible idea. (laughs) So, is it like kind of an archway or something to the stairs? There's no archway to stairs. The stairs are all just, like, exposed stone mm. carved into the side of the rock. So there's no handrails. There's no other structures. OSHA, no. <laughs> um, <laughs> is there any place that she could just kind of tuck herself out of sight to do maybe an ambush? Yeah, so out on the stairs to do that, you would either have to choose, like, one of the stairs to be kind of camped out on, mm. like, either going up or down. Mm. You probably don't want to go up to the next landing because there's not a very direct route down because the landings are all over mm. each other. The other alternative is for you to ignore the stairs and like climb the cliff face to a position that you want to use for an ambush. No. I would allow that if you wanted to try to do no. that. No. <laughs> um, okay, she's just... Just go free climbing. No equipment needed. <laughs> I mean, we did say... You're only like at certain deaths fall from the... I mean, I did say we were going to get freaky this episode, but not that freaky. <laughs> so I think she's just going to sit on the stairs and this is going to be, be a big old fuck you to Bertrand because she's still wearing his spare mask. Okay. Are you sitting on the stairs that were going up or on the stairs that are going down? Stairs going up. Okay. Sounds good. As you're out there, you could feel like a wet breeze starting to pick up, kind of dancing through your hair a little bit as you're out there. And you can definitely smell that scent of oncoming rainwater mm. and mm. 
the strangest, like, ozone smell. Yes. Bertram is approaching the opening, Nielsen, and you can see him stop before he exit, and you can see him hold up a hand over his eyes, and he's looking up at the sky for some reason. You don't have quite the angle yet to see what's going on. I guess, no, you would you would be able to see. You can see that there's dark storm clouds coming in into the, the bay heading towards the shore. Okay. The storm clouds remind you of the storm the boat you were on sailed through before they got to this bay that leads into Lay's Ports. Was that a particularly bad storm, or was it just, like, annoying? It was. It felt like the captains were playing cat and mouse the entire time, trying to avoid the storm hitting them. Mm-hmm. And you have to get past that storm and avoid accidentally getting too close to the well of size, because that'll just right. suck you down. Mm-hmm. But of course, when you were there, I mean, that was out on the open ocean, which made it scarier. But in the time that you've lived in land, you haven't seen the clouds look like this, that, that look like what it is out there on the ocean, what some people are starting to call the eternal sea storm. Ghouls are not what I wanted to deal with today. I think Ilsen's going to keep walking towards Bertrand, towards the opening to the stairs. And if he's not moving, yeah, if he's not moving, uh, can she kind of like pass by him relatively closely? Sure. As she passes by, she's going to say, don't keep us waiting. And then just continue to walk to the uh, stairs. Ooh, I like that. Give me uh, your lies and trickery, I think will work here for sure. So I think that will make it a six for you. All right. Uh, 14. Nice. Okay. You're moving towards the opening of the stairs, and you can hear, after a moment, Bertram's footsteps following you. When she gets to the stair, when she, like, steps out to the stairs, does she see Magpie on the side? When you step out the stairs, so first of all, even before you get out there, you can feel the cold moisture in the wind picking up out there. And then, um, as you step out, like, yeah, I think you can spot Magpie over to your right on the stairs that go up. All right. Perched there. All right, let's get a little risky. Ilsen's going to turn to the left and start going down. And then in the moments that Ilsen breaks like a line of sight with Bertrand, but can still see Magpie, she's going to quickly mouth like, two ghouls, two ghouls. So Magpie, you see this person with a face you don't recognize step out onto the stairs. And they turn left to start going down the stairs and they turn and mouth at you. What looks like two ghouls. I think Magpie's just going to mutter loud enough to maybe catch the person. What a baby. (laughs) So just as you say that, Bertram cautiously steps out onto the stairs. He feels the wind, though, and he kind of, like, takes a step back. Where'd you go? And he kind of pokes his head out, and he looks at Gilson's departing feature down the stairs. It's really not safe to be out here. (laughs) She'll call back. You can hold hands if you'd like. And kind of invite Magpie in on the situation. <laughs> Does Magpie say or do anything? Because he hasn't noticed Magpie yet. I think she's just going to sit there and see what happens. Okay. Rain begins to fall. Right now it's a sort of light rain, but it's light rain falling down and making the stone slippery. He wants to follow because he is a journalist. Mm-hmm. But it's also clear he is quite terrified right now. I mean, he's probably terrified of the stairs on a good day. Yeah, fair. Not to say he won't follow you, but he's probably not going to, like, immediately leap into... Yeah. Like, oh, okay, this is fine. For Ilsen's part, she'll at least get to the next landing or the next part where the dares, like, turn back on themselves. Mm-hmm. And then wait there for Bertrand to start making a move or for Magpie to make a move. 
Okay, so Bertram looks at you and you can see he's like licking his lips nervously and he takes a step forward to stairs and he's just like trying to flatten himself against the cliff face. Mm-hmm. And as he's starting to do that and he's, you know, one foot on the first step down, there's a gust of wind that blows past and he closes his eyes tightly for a second and I would like to offer Ilsa an XP. Are you going to kill him? But we need him. I will take the XP. But get the XP. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is going to be hilarious. Will you give the other one to Alex? I wonder who I'm going to give it to you. To Alex, Your obviously. Cat. To Alex. You could give it to me. <laughs> I'm kind of afraid what you could do with an XP, so no. It's going to Alex. <laughs> okay. Bertram cries out as his foot slips and he begins rolling down the stairs. Could Magpie catch him? Well, you weren't following him yet, so you would have to run. I, I don't think you could get to him faster than Ilson could. No, I would not. Mm-hmm. And at that moment he's rolling, there is a loud, just like a booming crack of thunder above you, and just like the entire sky goes white for a second in the burst from the lightning. Oh boy. Bertrand is rolling down the stairs. Is he rolling off the stairs, or is he still along the trajectory of the stairs? It's iffy okay. right now as he's rolling. He's still on the stairs right now, but he's not like falling in a really totally controlled manner either. So as he's rolling, sometimes like parts of his limbs are extended out beyond the edge of the stairs. Okay. You would assume that what he's trying to do is scream or shout obscenities or something like that. You can see his mouth open, but it's no sounds coming out as he falls. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Ilsen has rope, so she's going to pull that out. Okay. And then she's going to go up a few steps and try to catch him if he makes it down this far or jump after him if he falls off the stairs. Ooh. Okay. Evens or odds? Uh, fuck. Evens. Alex will die. Tell me if you get even or odd. Oh, no. Don't fuck me on this, Alex. Don't. Just roll the die. Just roll the die. Tell me what happens. Eleven. Oh, no. So he's rolling down the stairs, and it looks like he's almost going to make it. Mm. And then there's a gust of wet wind, and you do hear Bertrand cry, and he slips off the side of the stairs and starts falling. All right. Elson's going to die for him. Gonna die for him? Dive, dive with a V. <laughs> you sure? Yeah. It might be the same thing. But I oh, got I got a small thing for <laughs> stairs. Okay. So you're gonna dive after him. Yeah. Okay. It is an intensifying storm on these rocks. You didn't get far enough down to catch, so you are gonna have to dive after him. You're trying to catch him. Because he's going to be falling in a way like it's going to be hit or miss whether or not he even hits the stairs down below or if he hits at an angle and falls off. Right. What I'm trying to do is just get Elsa to like grab him so that she can use her hover ability to push both of them back towards the stairs. Okay. Yeah. I don't think you'll have a problem with like using hover and stuff to help like pulling him back. Mm-hmm. Uh, the real question is, can you catch him? Right. So he's going to be slippery. He's going to be awkwardly falling and there's going to be a lot of wind cool love it so i think this is yeah it's an 18 (sighs) all right so i'm trained in careful movement but i have an inability in fast movement i'm moving so how would these apply to the situation 
I think if you're trying to catch him like this, given the fact that you have to do it at speed, it's going to be fast movement. Okay. Fleet of foot help cancel that out? Fleet of foot would allow you to move. Well, if you use fleet of foot to get moving... Yeah, maybe. It's it's kind of iffy, because fleet of foot is like, it changes the distance you can move, which would help. Right. But it doesn't necessarily negate an inability in fast movement. So maybe, maybe we could say it cancels it out. Excellent. Okay. Okay. So that would probably mean careful movement don't apply, doesn't apply here for this roll. Right. Okay. Yeah. All right. So it's still an 18. So I'm going to apply level of effort, bring it to a 15. Oh, fuck this guy. All right. Yep. Nothing else. So 15. That's an eight. Okay. You dive for Bertram. For a second, you think you're going to get your hand on him. But what ends up happening, and again, he doesn't really know what's going on. He just knows he's falling. You feel your fingertips touch briefly, and then he keeps falling past you, hitting the edge of the steps down there. And yeah, so he hits this end of the steps down there. Alex, evens or odds? Odds. Samson will die. This is an odd situation. <laughs> and you're just watching. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, that's a nine. Odd. Okay. So he lands on the stairs because you were diving after him. Like you think, I mean, it's hard to tell in the storm, but you thought you heard something crack. Mm -hmm. And he continues like rolling with like a third of his body off the edge of these stairs. Jeez. And uh, now I need you. Uh, Are you using hovering to allow yourself not to? Because we also have to figure out how you recover from diving after him. Right. Yeah. So with my hover ability, I could hold it for 10 minutes or I could kind of uh, move a little bit. I think I can move a short distance with it, but then it cuts out after a round. So I would like to use that portion of the hover ability to get over the stairs, over Bertrand, if that applies at all, and then try to land on him to stop his movement. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I'd allow that. Yeah, that's a perfect example of it. And it's probably wise, too, because if you were just doing hover, the wind would be blowing you all over the place right now. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, you, you are over Bertram. Magpie, what are you doing? As far as I can tell, Magpie has not moved since they stepped out. Slowly, carefully walking down the stairs because it's uranium wet. And... Okay. Okay. I got a roll I want you to make. A perception roll. Ooh. There are two potential targets. Mm-hmm. There's an 18 and a 24. Mm-hmm. What pool is this? It would be intellect since it's perception based. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ooh, but I would allow danger sense in this particular case. Yeah, danger sense, danger sense. (laughs) So that would make it uh, a 15 and a 21. Okay, so we're going to use a level of effort. 16. And use the level of effort on the other one, not this first 15. Mm -hmm. Well, just, yeah. It's just one roll. It's just what you hit. Oh, okay. So I was doing two rolls. Yeah, the only reason I had Samson do two rolls is because I hadn't thought of a consideration of the man do the mm. first roll and I wanted to give him the option of knowing what the target is. Okay. So you do see at least one person slender, maybe about your height, in a ghoul's uniform who is not far away from each of the stairs and they're watching. I think Magpie's gonna just kinda tilt her head a little and keep walking. Okay, so you're walking down the stairs? Yeah. Okay. I would say with this wind and rain at least it's not nighttime. Yeah. So I think it's a 15 to successfully go down this first set of stairs. With speed? Yeah. Level of effort. Now 20. Ba, 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 ba. Okay. 
So you'll be able to go down these stairs. What would you propose as a major effect as more thunder cracks overhead? Okay, Samson, hear me out. I'm thinking Bertrand should be, like, knocked out, and then we just carry him into the next level and then carry him down the stair safer way as our major effect, you know? That's an option. Personally, I'm slightly more worried about the ghouls at this point, and I say that with a character that's not even, like, on solid ground in the middle of a storm on a cliff face, so. <sighs> but I, I'm i also down for Bertrand just being out and just being an object for <laughs> the rest of this episode or in the next episode. Well, like, the only other, like, option I, my brain is pulling is, like, the ghouls think, whatever, we'll deal with this later, and walk away. Maybe, or their thought process is, all right, they're on the stairs, so they're either dead or we'll meet up with them again, so maybe they try to, like, come around in a lower tier, since they probably know we're going down. Mm-hmm. Just a thought. But again, I also like Bertrand just being knocked out for a little bit. I mean, we could go with the Bertrands knocked out until we get him to the drop site. Not just a little bit, a lot bit. Because he did face plant on some rock stairs. Yes, yes he did. I already kind of shanghaied your major effect from earlier, so this is you. Okay. You decide. Let's go with that. We'll just tote him like a drunk and get to getting. We'll see what happens with the ghouls. Okay, so as Bertram is rolling down on these next set of stairs... At one point, his, like, because he's instinctively trying to not get any farther to the edge. Mm. Mm-hmm. And as he tucks it, his head slams into the corner of one of the steps, leaving a bloody stain. And his body goes limp. So it's not like rolling as much anymore, but it is just barely balanced on the edge. Mm-hmm. And the wind is whipping around him. More thunder booms overhead just shaking your entire body the wind starts speeding up it's like powerful gusts of wind now right has Elsen landed on him yes you would have landed on him now all right Elsen uh had pulled out rope earlier so can she kind of like i don't think she's gonna have time to tie a knot but can she like kind of quickly like wrap the rope around him just to have something like hold on to and drag him continue dragging him down to the uh next entry like around his neck or something like that <laughs> how bad is this headphone well, he's out, and it's bleeding a lot, but head wounds yeah, bleed a lot. the head is right. very bloody. Can I get head, Can I get a few loops kind of up from shoulder to armpit, way oh, around yeah. there? Sure. Right. Then she'll do that and then start dragging him to the uh, entry point uh, below, down the stairs. And all the while using her hover ability constantly to just kind of keep pushing mm. these two towards the wall. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Very clever. So I think your hover is going to give you a big advantage here. I don't think it's like a giving you for this, but I think it makes it like a nine, not for like keeping him from falling, but more like for you keeping some sort of balance as you're doing this like multitasking. Mm-hmm. Now, careful movement will apply here. Yes. All right. So that's a six. Then I feel comfortable with sixes. I say as about as I roll one. Aha, nine. Wait. Yeah, nine. <laughs> okay. I had to check where the dot was. Okay. Mm. You managed to drag him safely down to the next landing for the entrance to tier four. All right. Okay. Ilsen is pro- I don't think Ilsen's going to wait for Magpie at this point, but she will check around very quickly. Any obvious ghouls? Any ghouls around as she comes in on tier four? You come in on tier four. Uh, give me an 18. Could put a level of effort into this one. Make it a 15. Ooh. 10. Yeah, you don't see any obvious ghouls or anything like that. All right just looks like normal people there you are getting a couple strange looks from people because you're dragging in somebody tied up even if it looks like you're helping them coming in from the stairs very bedraggled while all this thunder has been going on (laughs) 
bachelor party, you know? Uh, <laughs> yeah, okay, so... What the fuck's happening on these stairs? <laughs> I didn't order the strippers there. <laughs> All right, then Ilsen's going to get Bertrand over her shoulders and then go towards a uh, lift, nearest lift that she can. Fireman carry or just, like, heavily leaning? I guess fireman carry. That's a good strength roll you're going to make there. Um, I mean, if, has Magpie caught up yet? Magpie can have caught up now. Okay, because then we because could... Ilson had to like do some tying and things mm. like that. She can make moves. Because I was like, we could do one arm under each, on each shoulder, and do that kind of drunk person. Just weekend at Bernie's. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. If Magpie is caught up, then uh, weekend at Bernie's for sure. Mm. Okay. And actually, very quickly, can we put a hood up over Bertrand and his gaping flesh wound. Sure. All right. We do that. <laughs> a little bit too much of a bachelor party for a gaping head wound. So you are heading in the direction of the lifts. You've got Bertram. What you don't see is up on the third tier as the slender ghoul prepares to take a step outside and a blade pushes through her body. The point sticking directly out of the chest. That's so amazing. As something reaches back and grabs the hair on her head and starts yanking until you can hear flesh tearing. And that's where we're on this episode. I told you that was a good idea. He does repay the favor. He does. <laughs> or we just got extremely lucky. No, Pyramid Head does repay the favor. I, mm, I don't know. But also, we don't know this is happening, so. It's like a mouse and a lion. Samson, something about this episode. Oh, my God. <laughs> Fucking that ending was dope. It's amazing. Yeah, I think it was the escalation of danger, the ghouls, and then Bertrand just not doing well on the stairs. This had a nice, like, exponential, like, curve right up. Yeah. Then also good information on some stuff that we're probably going to have to deal with. The Ilkers Massis, M-A-S-S-I-S. Does that sound right? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. A lot of good stuff. We have a segment that we do each week called Player Intrusions. That's where we offer you, the listener, an XP to check out something that we think you'd really dig. This week, it is my turn, and I will offer you all an XP if you check out the new Mr. and Mrs. Smith TV series on Amazon Prime. So this is a sort of reimagining of the movie from way back when with Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie. In that case, they were two assassins that didn't know that each other were assassins and they were married. The different thing here is that these two agents essentially are lonely people working for that espionage company that, you know, you don't necessarily know who it is. And they want to pair people with partners. So they are sort of blindly set up by the company and they both show up at an apartment in New York City, knowing nothing about the other, except that they are now officially legally married and They have new names, John Smith and Jane Smith, and they have to somehow live with each other, look like they're in a relationship, as well as doing these missions together. Like Spy Family? Yeah. The whole thing is that it becomes more about how do they work this relationship with each other, Mm -hmm. rather than it being two assassins sent to kill each other. It stars Donald Glover, who's also one of the co-creators of this series, and one of the major writers, and Maya Erskine. Maya Erskine who made a Pen15, and she was also the voice of Mizu in Blue-Eye Samurai. Ooh. Ooh. But yeah, they're great. Their chemistry is awesome. It's funny, and uh, it's, it's kind of like a dramedy. 
the spy stuff is fun and exciting, especially since both of them are sort of, well, they've got their backgrounds, like this is their first time doing like real covert stuff together. And so trying to figure out how to work together as plans inevitably go wrong. Relatable. It's it's good times. Yeah, it's really fun. It was one of those things when I first heard about it, I was like, you're not really interested in a remake mm-hmm. of something. But then I read about how it was a reimagining, and then I realized it was Donald Glover and Maya Erskine attached to it. And yeah, it's been great. It came out on Amazon Prime this week. It's eight episodes available to stream. I'm only about halfway through myself, but really, really been enjoying it. So Mr. and Mrs. Smith on Amazon Prime. Hmm. Yeah, this show has been like in the making for a long time, like pre-pandemic, because originally, um, yeah, I think uh, I can't remember her name, but uh, the lady who did Fleabag, I think she was supposed to be Mrs. Smith. Yeah, she was originally attached to So she was going to co-create it with Donald and they had creative differences. Mm. So Uh, well, glad the one that came out is good. Mm. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Highly recommend it. It's just great. And also a great rotating cast of guest stars. <laughs> if people wanted to tell us what they think about Mr. and Mrs. Smith or the podcast, how would they do that, Samson? Well, they can come to our website, explorerswanted.fm. On there, they'll see all our current social medias. On Mastodon, we are at explorerswanted at dice.camp. On Blue Sky, we are at explorerswanted.fm. On Instagram and Facebook, we are at explorerswantedpodcast. And our Discord, you can find by going to explorerswanted.fm slash Discord and talk to us about movies, video games, plants, animals, memes, all of it. Also, if it is within your means and you're feeling generous, patreon.com slash explorerswanted is the best place to support us. And please use our dice affiliate code with Diehard Dice when you go to check out with your order. Explorers Wanted, get 10% off your order. And if you can't financially support us, we totally understand. The best thing that you could do for us is to tell your friends, tell them what you like about the show and why they should listen to it. The second best thing that you could do is leave us a five-star rating and review on a podcast directory like Apple Podcasts or Podchaser. It really helps people find the show when they're looking for a new actual play or just any kind of improvised fiction to listen to. And if you didn't like the podcast or if you just thought it was meh, well, I want you to know that podcasters are a twisted breed of creator. We hide in our offices, closets, and budget do-it-yourself studios and whisper fictions into our mics. You see these cast photos, these lies that hide our wretched forms. You don't see the red-stained saliva that drips from our lips, the jagged nails so sharp that they can rend muscle, lolling tongues that can taste your scent upon the air. So choose your next listen carefully, because the next host you hear could pick up your trail and may end up being the last thing you see before you die. If you want to reach out to us individually on social media, you can. You can find me on Mastodon as Daniel at Anderlik, A-N-D-R-L-I-K dot org. Remember, witches rules do apply, so take a shower so you smell worse. I'm at Slampotato at Dice.Camp on Mastodon and at Slampotato on Blue Sky. Yes. My hunting radius has, you know, been severely limited while raising my only fur son. So you can offer yourself as a victim to me at Tea with the Unicorn on Twitch, Instagram, or what is it called? Threads. <laughs> All right. That's it for us. Hope you enjoyed the show. We'll be back next week as we will for every week in the foreseeable future. Have a good night, day, weekend, or whenever you're listening to this. And bye. bye.